Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at bkglueguysnetsdaily.com. Brian, the Nets are back. Mm, are they, though? Yeah, they're not. They're they're sad. They're a sad team at the moment. No, um, not so bad. I mean, let's not go crazy, Mike. The Nets were competitive against the Milwaukee Bucks in a game that the Bucks threw everything they had at the Nets. Um, no, just but, the one uh, the one thing that they have, which is we were talking about this. <laughs> it's the <laughs> I, I used in Mortal Kombat. It's like the flying kick spamming version. The like Liu Kang coming down Main Street with the foot. Um, I think you said it was the Chung Li, um, like just corner you and kicking you to death of Giannis Antetokounmpo just Euro stepping for 30 feet in your, in your face. That's all that team does anymore. I mean, it's fine. One, they just, that's all they do. One, uh, that is a perfect analogy and you're a brilliant basketball mind too. Um, anything analogized to video games, arca- arcade style video games. I'm a sucker for three. Wow. I love that you go with Giannis as the pronunciation. I'm not. Um, I don't change overnight for anybody. Okay, <laughs> I'm precociously sixty years old. You what understand? was the thing last week that you? Oh, you called him Waj. Waj, and I'm sticking with it. I don't, dude. I'm, I'm not going out here and going Woj on W O J. That's a Waj. Um, there's no E game, at the end of that. If there was an E, then fine. Count me in. Woj it. I'm not gonna lie. That game was a bit crushing, Bri, because. Not absolutely devastating. I wasn't hit by a wrecking ball to my heart, but I was hit by, let's say, a uh, forklift to my knee because the Nets were competitive all throughout that game until the end, and it felt like a game that like Milwaukee didn't seem to super-duper really care about. I mean, they played Giannis, who was slightly injured. They played him, so they cared enough. But the Nets had the momentum. The Nets were the team that were really kind of pressing the envelope there. After the Bucks got out to that huge lead, the Nets had, you know, thoroughly came back into the game. They were up by three at one point or whatever it was. It just felt like a game that the Nets were going to complete. That they were going to have this sort of moment where like Did it? All- I think I think I had a different vibe altogether. First of all, I knew we were gonna lose because of the stupid Atlanta game the night before. I just knew it. God. Why couldn't they just do it? Why couldn't they just take care of business and beat right. Atlanta in OT? That's what you're supposed that was- to do. That was a a, a, f- a warning, a, uh, a warning ahead of time. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just come... felt like yeah, okay. during the game, it was the not that not that there's any indication within the game that the Nets were going to be the winners in it. I just felt the momentum was going more on the Nets side for most of it. And the Bucks had this lurking in the background that they could just like turn on the switch or whatever, and then they would suddenly, you know, basically kick the Nets' butt at the end of the game. Um, it was. And we had already had this moment where all the teams the Nets are competing with for these final playoff spots in the East had lost, and that was discussed on the broadcast. And I actually think the moment it was discussed on the broadcast, the Nets immediately gave up a whole bunch of points to the Bucks and essentially ended the game. Stings a bit, Bry. I'm telling you. Yeah. A forklift to the knee, not I'm a bulldozer to the heart. I will say that, like, I, I was joking about the, the Giannis giant Eurostep. It is kind of annoying. It start it started to annoy me by the end. I'll be honest, I got a little triggered. Um, you, you are now. He's now like you're James Harden. He's like how everyone hates I could James just Harden see now. Like, like in in a future, if the Nets are actually good and they're playing like real, you know, knockdown, drag out playoff series against that team, that's going to really 
peeve me off bad. Like, well, I do wonder. So, like, if we had to make finals predictions right now, I would predict that the Bucks get to the finals. But there is something about this Bucks team that's a little, a little special in the regular season because you're only seeing. Giannis, you know, once every couple of weeks, if you're a team in the East or whatever it is, once every month, I don't know, you know, whatever the equation is. So you're game planning for that game, but then you sort of throw it away and you do something else for another team because the Bucks are so unique. They're going to be an interesting matchup in the playoffs for any team because I think what they're doing is is something that after a couple of games, you may have a shot to game plan against differently than you do for just that one game well, i'm not saying that it's like they're going to be easy to beat sort of how you know we brought up james harden how like the criticism of james harden is obviously the fact that like in the playoffs what he does it gets sort of tiresome and you can game plan against it and eventually over seven games you can figure it out there, there is a way to like obviously do it which is what jared allen kind of started to do which is play off him and like you know, dare him to, he can't, so he wants to do his, like, you know, Hadouken, and he can't all the time because he needs the momentum, and it's like, if you get if you get him at the certain distance, like, it's not enough for him to put in the button combos, like, he can't, he can't do it fast enough, so, like, you can freeze him out there, like, Jared Allen did it twice, where he just was, like, both close enough to, like, somewhat guard against a long J, and far enough that he wouldn't be able to get, like, a ton of momentum to do the thing. And then he just kind of like froze there. It was weird. There was like <laughs> there was two occasions where he just like stopped. He's like, I can't, I can't do my two things that I do. Um, and so if like in a world where you're really planning against that, like it's all about like mitigating that like threat distance with with Giannis. Um, and like, but doing that like every time is like obviously not easy. Um, and then also like basically what you want to do is run another person at them, at him when he's in that frozen position when he can't put in his button combo. Um, so like that's that's the way I would do it. Coach Coach Bragg, I would do it. Um, but you know that's like a unique situation that you gotta really be very attuned to the positioning with with that squad. Not an easy feat, Smelts at all. Not easy feat at all. Um, just one. I just want to point out one more thing about the Bucks game because frankly, you know, it is important that game it would have been a nice you know like sort of um win to get because you would have put some distance between you and all those other teams but because everyone else lost it isn't as devastating as it could have been could have been uh but like the one positive you can definitely take out of it was like the Karis Levert Karis Levert had his probably his best game since coming back from injury maybe I mean 24 points uh, over these past four games he's had 16 18 15 and 24 uh, reporters asked Karis LeVert about that today. We're recording this on Tuesday um, at 4.54 and 23 seconds. Um, LeVert has talked about, you know, Kenny Atkinson had said that he felt like LeVert's getting back to where he was. LeVert said, I feel like in the past two weeks, I am back to where, you know, I was before pre-injury, pre-devastating injury. You know, it was, I'm still waiting for the the game where like Dinwiddie, D'Angelo and Levert are all, mm. all like firing at all cylinders because we haven't really had that yet. You know, I didn't really. D- I was trying to figure out the way to to find since Levert's come back from injury. Have all of them scored in triple digits in a game? I'm sure they have, but you know, we need a game where like if you have all three of them really working, which hasn't happened, uh, the Nets would be like obviously so much more dangerous. And Dinwiddie, you can pretty much rely on. D'Angelo now is playing at even like above the all-star level that he had ascended to pre-all-star break he's even continued that if not 
gone up another level, I think. Um, if you have all three firing at once, Nets are super dangerous. Now the question is like, does it matter? Like, are the Nets going to get to the playoffs? Because it doesn't really matter if they're all firing at once if they end up the ninth seed in the East well, compared to. Do you want to take it to a Matt Abramovitz email? Absolutely. It's your boy Matt Abramovitz says, "Do you guys think two uh, two wins, two losses, or one win, one win, three losses in the last four games gets them in?" That's it. That's all he says. Man, he's about his business. Um, thank one you win, for, one win, three losses. Yeah, I mean, or the uh, the Ofer is also on the table, obviously. Um, I looked at Orlando and Miami's schedule. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting here, Mike. It's gonna well, be it's gonna be really interesting. Go ahead. What do you well, got? here's the so I I really should have looked up tiebreakers, but like so okay, I have the Miami Magic Nets and Pistons schedule all in front of me. If you just broke it out in terms of like easy games, medium games, and tough games, you know, maybe I I overrate one team or the other. The Magic have four games left. They have one fewer loss than the Nets, and the Magic are the ninth seed technically right now. The Magic have the Knicks tomorrow night at home, then the Hawks, which really, I don't know if you can really classify that as an easy game anymore, but I'm doing that as such, then at Boston, at Charlotte. So they end the season on the road. Um, They have, you know, everyone's playing on, I think, everyone plays on Wednesday to end the season, so like playoff positioning and all that crap. Um, the Magic by far have the easiest road of the four teams, the Pistons, Nets, Heat, and Magic, but they are the furthest back. They have the most losses of any of those teams. They have the fewest, tied for the fewest amount of wins. They have technically what you would say would be two easy games, but I would not say Atlanta would be an easy game, and I wouldn't even say Charlotte would be an easy game, though a season finale in Charlotte is likely to not have that much energy, but it may be Kemba's final game in Charlotte. So maybe there's some bump there. Um, do the, do the Nets need to just win one game to get in? So that would be 40 wins. <coughs> They'd be 40 and eight, what is it? 42. Mike, I have an update. Yes. The Nets have tiebreakers over both Orlando and Miami. So that's crucial. Mm-hmm. Um, because theoretically, so the well, that that Miami tiebreak may change depending on that last game of the season. I don't know. Maybe maybe your information tells you differently. But then of course, you know the Nets end the season against Miami. Um, I would say that the Nets probably have to win two games to be in to be safe. Think because so? because I think the Magic are going to win two games. Well, I guess no. I guess. It wouldn't matter. They just need one, right? If because they definitely have the tiebreaker over the Magic, I would think the way the way the, our research is saying. Um, yeah, five thirty-eight playoff. Ad, that's why the playoff odds are at eighty percent. Five thirty-eight. Let me get, dive right into them. Um, you know, they've never been wrong before. But it's also like, do you really want to only have one one game for the for this final four games that the Nets have to play? Do you? I mean. Toronto at Milwaukee at Indiana home versus Miami for the the season finale your final home game uh, hopefully of not the season can, but of the regular can season. Can any of these teams start resting their players against us? Like what the hell? What's going well, on? We they, we, did, we got that nice break against the Boston Celtics. Uh, yeah, which was kind of strange that they did do that because you would think that they would it would matter to them to get the fourth seed over the like you would rather you know play at home 
um, in that playoff series, get that extra playoff game. Um, um, you know, it's a good article. It's your boy Christian Winfield wrote at the top, or the five NBA teams competing for three Eastern playoff spots ranked by who needs it most. Everyone should go check them out. Um, Obvi, Brooklyn Nets need it the most. I mean, it's really all, do you, I mean, we talked about this a little bit, but do you still maintain that all of our free agent aspirations are, are linked directly to this playoff run? <laughs> Not directly, but I think it matters. I think it matters anywhere from 5% to 15% of an increased likelihood that those free agents will take a more harder look at the Nets if the Nets make the playoffs. I just, you know, if the Nets pitch is that we have both good chemistry, the right direction, and that we actually win, you know, there's a lot of teams that can sell um, a, uh, a direction heading in the right way. But... You have to also win. Like the Clippers, you know, if someone was tweeting at this with me a couple of weeks ago, it's like the Clippers distinctly have everything you could want to offer to a free agent. Good vibes, good team chemistry, and they're winning basketball. The Nets have to be – I don't have to be, but it would matter if they're in the playoffs. It would it would cement that what they're doing is correct. That's sort. I mean, unfortunately, that's the distinguishing mark. It's like – we may not remember their first round series eight months from now, but but we will. I mean, they will have made the playoffs. That's what every coach and every GM, when they reference how their season went, they pretty much reference we made the playoffs or we didn't make the playoffs. It matters to me. Um, but I do love your your sort of uh, karma theory of why they shouldn't make the playoffs. <laughs> I've thought about it more and more since you debuted it, which I don't know if you everyone listened, but Brian, if you could rephrase your karma theory with uh, why the Nets maybe don't want to make the playoffs. Yeah, <clears throat> it's pretty simple. I mean, like, if you believe in a divine universe, as you should, um, <laughs> the way that things will work is if we do miss the playoffs, that, like, one-tenth of a ping-pong ball that we need to get the first overall pick will land in our our little, like, bucket or whatever. Um, and we'll get Zion. And, you know, aptly named Zion for the divinity. Um, so... Yeah, it just sort of makes karmic sense, right? Doesn't everybody agree? I think everyone's got that locked in, right? It would be an absolutely incredible feat. And the more I think about it, the more I it would be at peace with the fact that the Nets would not make the playoffs. But I still want them. I want them to make the playoffs for it would it would just be um, uh, an affirming moment for Sean Marks, Kenny Atkinson, and D'Angelo Russell, all those dudes to make the playoffs, you know, in like reality, if you like the grand scope of the NBA, we care about this so much, but uh, the bottom of the East, which the Nets are unfortunately a part of, is not great. And if the Nets aren't good enough to beat, you know, the bottom of the East, then it's really not, you know, mm. it's it actually isn't a good sign for the the rebuild. It does matter. Like they should be better than the Magic. The do Magic they, do they rescind Kenny's extension after that? Yeah, they should fire Kenny Atkinson. Do they rescind it. They take away that but, extension. Are you are you happy that he got an extension, or you don't like it that much? You probably don't like it, do you? Well, here's my take on this. Brian, oh wow, you have a that, take about that? Wow, amazing. I find it interesting that typically when you see these stories, well, one it was given to Woj, which they gave it to Woj to give it importance. Like they could have just said it, or they could have floated it out there to one of the local people that Kenny Atkinson extension ball, but they specifically went to Woj to say, um, hey, we're thinking about extending Kenny Atkinson. We know that Woj has a soft spot for the Nets 
and also Kenny Atkinson and Sean Marks specifically. Secondarily, and maybe even more importantly, Brian, the headline was not just Kenny Atkinson contract extension, but assistant coaches as well. That is a calculated move. Uh, typically, we don't talk about the extensions of assistant coaches, but as we're seeing with the Pelicans GM search and Will Weaver going, Will Weaver of the Long Island Nets fame, uh, going home to Australia to coach that team, Nets assistants and assistant personnel staff in Trajan Langdon are going to be talked about for not even necessarily head coaching openings or GM openings, but which Trajan Langdon is, but like, all these guys are going to be talked about and being elevated from the position that they are in with the Nets. And I think it it's a clear sign from the Nets who leaked this out, I imagine, to Woj, or Waj, as you describe him. They want to be like, hey, these are our assistant coaches. Not that, to say that you guys can't have them, but we are going to pay them more money. And we are going to be public with how we are paying our assistants more money because we want to keep the staff that we have. Um, it's not typical to just to say for ESPN to write a story about how, yes, an assistant coach is getting an extension, but that the assistant coaches are getting an extension. It was a signal, Brian, a bat signal to the rest of the NBA. Mm. Don't touch our assistants. Jacques Vaughn will forever be a Brooklyn Net. That's what that says to me. So um, indirectly, we've answered most of Treboy Herb Plax's um, emails, three of them. He was firing them off today, this afternoon, lazy afternoon for, for Herb. Um, but one of the ones that we didn't get to is, um, so he says, again, this is, you know, we always like to do this. We like to slip this into every conversation about the Nets we have lately. It's which top tier, which agents, which free agents top tier or other do you think will come to the Nets? How much of it depends upon whether we make the playoffs or not. So we already did the, how much of it depends on the playoffs, like enough that we should really make them. Um, but did you watch D'Angelo Russell's flyby, the the YouTube series produced by Kevin Durant. I watched what seemed to be a minute-long clip. I didn't know, was there more out there? I saw him going to the pizza place. Yeah, there's like three six-minute videos, one starring Kevin Durant, one with Kyle Kuzma, and one with D'Angelo Russell. What was your impression? Um, based on that, I think he's going to the Nets. That's that's uh, that's a real take, too. Because... <laughs> Because here's why. So here's this whole thing. Like basically, the the whole tone of the one that he that Kevin Durant did about San Francisco was like, it's great to like, you know, see a place for a while and then move on eventually. <laughs> like the vibe is like, it's been great to travel and I want to do more of it. Um, <laughs> and then like the Kyle Kuzma one is like Kyle Kuzma is like a child. He's like just like a kid, like a kid from Flint. And like clearly has his like view of the world is like he's like, do you play video games? Because that's what I that's what I do. That's what I'm about. Because <laughs> I'm going to go to this Chinese restaurant and eat with a fork and not know what the hell anything is. <laughs> so if you want to hang out with that, that's what I got for you. Um, and then D'Angelo Russell, you know, he goes like shopping and goes to places where I I imagine like he actually would go to, with the exception of like maybe the meditation place that they go to. Which I mean, I don't know. That's that maybe seems fabricated, but like I, I would totally believe he eats pizza in shops in Brooklyn. Um, can I can I tell you if if a film crew followed me and they were like, we just want to jump in on your world. Where do you go? What do you do? I would totally fabricate everything. Like, there's no freaking way I would show them. It's interesting my daily- though that like I wonder whose idea like was it the production team or was it like D'Angelo Russell himself to be like, let's go to the meditation spot, you know? 
because that is yeah, saying something. Plus, also they have the meditation room. Corner, they have the meditation room in Barclays Center, so um, you know that's a thing. That's part of the culture there. I know that much. Um, if if uh, if a crew from Alaskan Airlines, right? Shout mm-hmm. out Alaskan Airlines, my favorite one based in the Pacific Northwest. If they um, followed you around, what would be the three places you would take them to, Brian? I mean, I don't go anywhere that isn't like within two or three blocks of my house. So we're going to <laughs> we're going to Wing Bar, Zombie Hut. Um, no, I'm just, I'm doxing myself here. Oh God. Um, and then and then what? Back to my house. We're going back, <laughs> back to my house. Sit on the roof, you know, smoke a cigar. That's what we're doing. That sounds like a beautiful time. You want that? Um, drink a scorpion bowl and then hit the hit the roof. I think my my like three places that if I'm being truthful. Um, would probably be the dumpling place across the street from me, the Boston Market I go to when my wife's out of town, <laughs> and I would also then take them to the Taco Bell Cantina that is also near me that oh, I have wow. yet to be t- have been to, but it's an aspiration. Do it's they an deliver? Because they deliver now. Uh, to, but it 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 is to the point where it is shamefully close to me that if I deliver Taco Bell, like my wife and I, like we also live near Domino's, and we would. Um, we have thought about having it delivered to us, even though it's like a block yeah. away. But that's you know that's an argument you have to have with yourself and your family. That's a personal decision. Yeah. The distance of delivery that you're willing to stand. I actually am so cheap that I'm willing to walk twenty minutes away to go pick up my food. That is my distance. I'm pretty um, I'm pretty amazed by Domino's ability to like. <clears throat> I think everybody. I think this is a universal experience that. If you eat Domino's in the night, in the morning, it's going to turn your guts like inside out, like almost automatically (laughs) auto, auto running for the bathroom, like right out of the subway. Um, And I think that that's like 100 percent of the people who eat that pizza. That's the experience. And yet we go back and (laughs) it's a real testament to what they're cooking up over there. Um, I have the same conversation. We don't eat Domino's all that much, but like when we do, my wife and I have the same conversation, which is like, Domino's is good. (laughs) Like, let's, you know, it's it's a punchline, but it's good. Yeah, it's a value buy. It's actually kind of expensive. Tbh, I don't know if you've been in a while, but they like the prices are getting up there. I've been there. I was two weeks ago. Compared to okay, this is it's comparison sake. So compared to the the high price pizzas I'm used to buying across Manhattan and Brooklyn. Actually, you know, we had a discussion about Where this. Where are you going? T- are you going to like Pat, Pat Caesars? What are you getting? Nice pizza no. all the time? R- Roberta's is my go-to pizza. See, there you go. Now, it's tough to it's tough to get in Manhattan. There are places you can get it by uh, Grand Central. It's my go-to pizza. If I can get it, that's what I'm getting. Um, uh, Marta, Martina, you know, Dan- Danny Meyer brands. Um, but that's the thing. The problem with living in New York is that you have to make a decision on what level of pizza you're willing to commit to. I am fine doing dollar slices, but it feels like I'm cheating myself when I do it. Now, I also, again, will eat Domino's. I will, I'm very happy to eat Domino's, but if I'm really ordering something, I'm probably going to be ordering a pizza that costs like $18 a pie, which is kind of expensive, where Domino's is 7 I'm happy what? with a seven dollar. Seven? No, no, no. Dude, what are you talking? Like How tiny is this Domino's that you're getting? Dude, what? Domino's. You, they have these deals all the time where you get like, if you buy a two liter bottle of soda, you get like eight pizzas for free. I don't know where you're at. Oh, that's you're like you you're one of these coupon clipping types. That makes sense. Absolutely. When I go to CVS and they print out that receipt, I'm I'm checking even it. if it's for L'Oreal Paris for two dollars off. I'm <laughs> buying that L'Oreal Paris. 
Um, okay, let's get back onto the Nets topics. Last, last, you know, just got to honor Herb's work ethic this afternoon, firing off these emails. One of them also, thoughts on Rondé Hollis-Jefferson? What kind of offers do you think he's going to get this summer? And should the Nets make a play to keep him? Same question regarding Damari. Thanks, Herb. Thank you, Herb, for all of your emails today. He also sent one about playoff odds, but we already said it's 80%, and we cited 538, so it's like, bang, we got it. Um, but, yeah, so RHJ. I don't want to dump on, on Rondé. I don't want to do it again, but um, I don't know. You hate Rondé more than anyone Stop. in that series. I hate that. I hate that I have to be, I have to daddy up on Rondé all the time. I don't want to be that is guy. It, is he a Max guy? <laughs> um, I honestly, I think they should obviously make a play to keep him. Like, if you can get a really cheap offer, um, you should do it, and then really congratulate him if he gets a better one. Um, I like the idea of him being a spark plug, third stringer. But outside of that, I don't know. I don't know, Mike. I think it, that's it, that's the rule. Honestly, that's how I that's how I feel at this point. It feels like he's going to be a Sacramento King next year. Yeah. And there's going to be a lot of articles written about how great of a guy he is, <clears throat> charitable he is, great teammate that he is, uh, that he's immediately loved by De'Aaron Fox and rest of that crew in Sac Town. Um, but I, like, I feel like for from for almost for his sake, he may want to leave to see if he can kind of get a different role within the team. Again, we love him here. Um, he was big in that, you know, in the past few games where he's come in and he's actually produced decently well. Um, but I, I, I'm beginning it more and more for his sake. He should probably leave, though the Nets will offer him something. Like, I think, like, I don't know what that will be, but I think the Nets will offer him a decent contract. Like, not, not, not decent, like, you know, like, again, like I sort of compared it to, like, Kyle Singler. Like, I think it could be a Singler-type deal where it's like, here's four years, eight million. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, will you stay here to be, like, the end-of-the-bench role player that actually plays but, you know, is not getting significant minutes? Um, I right. mean, it, wasn't, it was just last season when he was really the team's, like, third-best scorer. Yeah. He wasn't – He he's not – he has value. I just think that he's going to move on and be on a different team. Mm, and he see should. if his I mean, role can be different. That's the sad truth. You're right. In a, you know, if we're making adult decisions, that is that is the adult decision. Um, Damari, I really want to come back though. Yeah. I, I I think we talked about this before. It's like kind of, I think someone's going to pay him some money. I don't think he's going to come super cheap unless he just wants to stay in Brooklyn. Damari is like awesome. Like <laughs> I, I can't like it's really a testament to. I've often talked about how bad Raptors fans are. Like I I generally <laughs> think that they're really bad and they're, are awful they're bad people like, yeah they're yeah, bad, really pe- bad like, people like legit bad people they're, they're awful and are yeah. dumb about basketball that's how yeah. i felt I've often they hate felt. yeah they hate the world and yeah. it makes perfect sense that they hated damari carroll and ran him out of town that's like completely <laughs> that makes a ton of sense to me because like it's i've never like i have nothing but good things uh like and like you know he's just it's just a like a perfect you know off the bench role player it's just like really great very malleable very and he, pr- i wonder if he i wonder if he can afford him like Gonna be an interesting summer. Yeah, because like, okay, I could tell you that I I could see him making eight million dollars a, a a year in this next contract, but that could be wildly high or like pretty low to what he could get. It could be like a two year twenty million dollar deal. Like, I, his career is by far not done. He is pretty valuable. It's obvious that he has an impact on all these younger guys. Which as the league moves towards the the, I mean, really. 
so you see what's happening in Atlanta. What Atlanta is doing is what the Nets are doing now, which is hire a developmental coach, a guy who's known for development, hire a, a GM that has the sort of grand vision. Every GM has a grand vision, but like the coach in Atlanta is the same in his exact sort of uh, profile that Kenny Atkinson has. It's about development. So as that sort of young developmental coach model is going to spread throughout the league, which I think it will, it's happening in baseball now. I think it's going to be happening in basketball these next few hires. There's going to be less Stan Van Gundy's and more Kenny Atkinson's. You're going to want, actually, a Damari Carroll on your team because you're going to want the veterans on your team to be motivating and you know has a good have a good head on their shoulders and who also know how to play with young guys and kind of teach them like they've always wanted that in the NBA but I think that's going to become more valuable so it'll be interesting to see Damari's market and also it has to align with what the Nets want to do in free agency like if they get Kawhi Leonard and Kevin Durant maybe Damari comes back at a cheaper deal or maybe they just say we don't really need uh whatever he's going to be a 32 year old um you know three four the position that he is maybe, maybe they don't but you know it depends on what his positions line i would love damari to come back at i'm pretty comfortable at most numbers as long as it's a short-term deal because if he's back on this team for like 12 million a year or 10 million a year or whatever it is going to be then the, then that means they probably didn't get kevin durant so i would be fine with rolling damari back out there and it kind of shows you again we talked about remember when they made the trade brian that we immediately said this was going to be a win for the Nets because we immediately said DeMario was going to be good at basketball. Um, <laughs> this wasn't a Mozgov salary dump. This was like this was an unfortunate salary dump for the Raptors. They probably would have liked to have kept him just the player, but his contract was just way too high. I want to say, like, it, can you even term it a salary dump at that point? Because like, it was. I mean, it it was, but it was like a mistaken one. Like they they <laughs> yeah. that was like. You know, they thought it was a salary dump, but it was actually like a, just a mistake. Um, well, and so, and we talked about this with Demario Carroll in our interview with him before the season began. Shout outs to us. We asked him specifically w- what it was like to be a salary dump guy, to to be named in a mm-hmm. trade and be like called a salary dump, and that's what he Man. he talked about that how crazy that 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 feeling is. We really we did not pull any punches in that interview. That's hard hitting journalism. We just we didn't back down, did we? It was a Tucker Carlson style. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Um, um, all right, quick, Kyrie or KD, and then get us out of here. Um, obviously, Kyrie's coming. He and D'Angelo Russell are best friends. They yeah. follow each other on Instagram. They talk about each other on Instagram. He's coming, and KD's coming. They're actually both coming for the vet minimum. Um, and then Kawhi's going to get the max. So we were, the Nets are going to get Kyrie, Kawhi, Kevin Durant. They're also going to have D'Angelo Russell. Mike, um, are we going to pod after this uh, these games this week? Toronto, I think, tomorrow? Um. Yeah, we can. We, let's maybe we'll do Thursday. Uh, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about when we're gonna do it because I gotta go to the gym, bro. I gotta go work out. Yeah, I gotta do some push-ups. Um, but crucial stretch here: Nets home for Toronto at the Bucks at Indiana, and then season ends. Four games left, Brian. The wow. final four. The Nets are back. All right, Mike, take us out. Um, thank you all for listening. Netsdaily.com. Click on every article, buy every ad on the site. Every ad that we sponsor, buy everything that we're sponsoring like a thousand times and say the glue guys did it. Uh, at BK Glue Guys on Twitter. We're on Facebook, but we don't post. And thank you, Brian, for listening. Thanks, everybody. Good night. Yeah, boy.